This is gotcha journalism, but you know what? They're not going to gotch me. The Dory Monson Show on Cairo Radio. This is The Big Lead. Welcome to The Big Lead this hour. Brandy Cruz filling in for Dory Monson. This is not gotcha journalism. I'm not going to gotch you. You? Who, what is that? Is that, that Will Ferrell? The Office. That's uh, Dwight Schrute. Oh, okay. Gosh, I'm so bad at guessing those. Where do you find those little gems anyway? In my system here. They're like collected. It. Oh, they're collected. Mm-hmm. Those are good ones. Uh, we were just talking about, I mean, we've been kind of even hearing in the newscast and stuff, the situation with the power outages in East King County. And I am amongst the outages victims. Uh, we, I was in the middle of saying at the big lead uh, at, the top, at the top of the show that I was in the middle of a live Q&A I do monthly with Undivided subscribers. And all of a sudden, the whole room just went dark. Um, but we were going to get, so Dave Wyman comes in and we're in the middle of the commercial break and... I was explaining to you guys that I was hungry because I had packed a lunch to bring that was consistent with the diet I've been on. Mm -hmm. But then the power went out at 8 p.m. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to eat anything in the fridge. And you said you would have eaten it. Chicken Uh, that had been in the fridge for 13 hours? If you didn't open the fridge and you kept it it cool. Um, And it was already cooked. So it wasn't like chicken that's growing bacteria. If it gets a little cool, it was chicken that was... Cooked and See, I just staying feel cold. Like, I don't know. What do you guys think? Triple eight nine seven three Cairo. Should I have eaten the chicken? Because now I'm wishing I had. Because now I'm, really, <laughs> I'm getting hangry here in the last hour of the Dory. Was it a rotisserie show. chicken or just it like was, a chicken? And wrap? I was telling you, usually I get them at QFC where they're pretty cheap. This one I stopped at PCC. So you know, a little more expensive at the PCC, and I was thinking that's okay. You know, I'll splurge on this chicken. It was like a balsamic. Oh yeah, fancy. And then it went bad. What a waste. You didn't even give it to the dogs. I know they can't have bones, but they can have chicken. I didn't give them to the dogs. Uh, But on a broader scale, it sounds like they're still without power there in East King County. I haven't heard that our power has been restored. I know that Tanner Electric, if you're one of the people who are waiting in Snoqualmie, North Bend, uh, in the surrounding area, the estimate they've given is 8 p.m. tonight. So that'll be about 24 hours for folks out there. You're getting a lot of messages about the chicken. Oh. Everyone says you should have kept it. You think I should have? Oh, yep. BBQ Don't throw Bob. it away. It's fine. I'm you sorry, but when, you're, when your when your screen name is Barbecue Bob, I ought to I ought to listen to you. Yes, you should have eaten the chicken. One person says hey. no, it grows bacteria. But like I said, it was cooked, so it's not raw growing bacteria. I mean, I know that it still can if it gets warm, but it was still cold in the fridge. Oh, gosh. Yeah, a lot of people want me to eat the chicken. I guess I just, I don't like wasting food, but why risk it, you know? That's true. I was already sick one time in December, and I don't need to, although I did lose some weight from that illness, I don't need to experience that again because it was pretty dreadful. Uh, Anyway, so hopefully uh, power comes back on soon. I was just debating with Nicole. Do I get a hotel tonight? Do I go home and just hope that 8 p.m. is going to be the magic hour and 24 hours later we're going to get our power back? I haven't decided yet. All right, let's get to the big lead this hour. The big lead. Top trending. So we were talking on the show about this George Santos fella in New York's 3rd Congressional District. He ran as a Republican. He won despite the fact that district had been won by uh, Biden pretty overwhelmingly in 2020. And so Republicans were all happy about this guy. Young guy, uh, openly gay. There aren't a lot of uh, openly gay Republicans in Congress. And so they were thinking, oh, this is a great win for us. And then it turns out he's just a pathological liar. And my whole argument around this has been one of moral consistency. 
when I was filling in for Dory um, just after the election and Lion Clyde Shavers won in the 10th legislative district uh, in Washington state, uh, we gave him the same treatment that, that we're about to give George Santos. And it, it never ceases to amaze me the excuse that parties will make for liars of their own party and then what they'll do to go after liars of the other party. But anyway, this George Santos guy, so it comes out that he made up his job history, said he worked at like Goldman Sachs, never worked there, made up going to college, never went to college, lied about his family history, lied about some charity he was involved in. And it's like, what was true that this guy sold to voters? Virtually nothing. So anyway, he has started to speak out and we read some quotes from him. Uh, He had spoken to the New York Post. But then so Tulsi Gabbard was filling in for Tucker Carlson which we can have a whole nother conversation about that because I thought she was great. She really I thought was. she did. You know, she's always a little overly stoic for me, mm-hmm. but I thought she did a really good job. And so I don't know if George Santos knew that it was a fill in, if he thought he was going to go on Tucker Carlson and, oh, you know, I'm a Republican, so I'm going to get some sort of special treatment. Well, if that's what he was thinking, it was <laughs> absolutely not the nope. case. And I, I think it was just a master class for Tulsi Gabbard in this interview, not giving him an inch to sit there and continue to lie, to gaslight, to try to change the subject to Republicans. So she um, started off the interview and I thought a very, very great way. She asked him to define integrity. Here's the exchange. What does the word integrity mean to you? Well, Tulsi, thank you for having me. You know, um, to to answer your question, integrity is very important. And like I, I said to the New York Post, what, what does it mean, though? What does it mean? Because the, the meaning of well, the word actually matters in practice. Of course, it, it means to, to carry yourself in an honorable way. And I made a mistake. And I think humans are flawed and we all make mistakes, Tulsi. Um, I think we can all look at ourselves in the mirror and admit that once in our life we made a mistake. I'm having to admit this in national television for the whole country to see. And I have the courage to do so because I... First, let me just stop there. Oh, poor you. You have to. You have the courage to admit on national TV that you lied to win an election. I love how he's 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 amping himself up to be this brave, brave man for doing this. No, you're just admitting in a very vague way to having lied to voters to get to Congress. Believe that in order to move past this and move forward and be an effective member of Congress, I have to face my mistakes and I'm facing them. Um, The reality is, is that I remain committed to doing everything I set forward in my campaign. Campaign. I'm not a fraud. I'm not a fake. I, I, I didn't materialize from thin air. I worked damn hard to get where I got oh. my entire life. Life wasn't easy. It didn't start off easy. As I've said it many, many times, I come from abject poverty. I made some mistakes and I own up to them. The, and now I want to put this thing past is, me so I can deliver for the American people. Yeah. And that bothers me, too. Having also grown up in poverty I didn't I didn't tell pathological lies to get to where I was. And so the fact that he's using abject poverty as what an excuse for the lies that he told to the voters of the uh, of New York's third congressional district is an insult to people who grew up in poverty and worked very, very hard with honesty and integrity to get to where they are. So she goes on to one of the other elements. And this one's so bizarre. <laughs> it's like the lies these people will tell. He claimed to be Jewish. And it was blatant, like that. No mistake, he claimed to be Jewish, and so uh, Tulsi Gabbard uh, calls him out on that law. Do you have no shame? Oh. Do you have no shame in the people oh. who are now you are asking to trust you to go and be their voice for them, their families, and their kids in Washington? 
Tulsi, I can say the same thing about the Democrats and, and the party. Look at Joe Biden. Joe Biden's been lying to the American people for 40 years. He's the president of the United States. Democrats resoundly support him. Do they have no shame? This, Look, this I've is, made this very this clear. Is not, this I is made, not about the Democratic Party, though. This is about your relationship, no, frankly, with the people who've entrusted you to go and, and fight for them. And I think one of the questions that, that really probably hits home to a lot of people is, is are you Jewish? We've, we've got a letter that your campaign sent out earlier this year, which reads as follows. As a proud American Jew, I've been to Israel numerous times for educational, business, and leisurely trips. You said there in that letter that you are, quote, a proud American Jew. How do you, how do you explain that? My heritage is Jewish. I've always identified as Jewish. I was raised a practicing Catholic. I think I've gone through this. Even I've not, not being raised a practicing Jew, I've always joked with friends and circles, even with in the campaign, I'd say, guys, I'm Jewish. Remember, I was raised Catholic. So, look, I understand everybody wants to nitpick at me. I, I'm going to reassure this once and for all. And I know you can't see it, but Tulsi is essentially rolling her eyes. Like, she really, truly cannot believe what this guy is saying. I'm Jewish. <laughs> I'm not a facade. I'm not a persona. I, I have an extensive career that I worked really hard to achieve. And I'm going to deliver from my experience because I remain committed in delivering results for the American people. I campaigned on inflation. I campaigned on crime. I campaigned on education. I campaigned on delivering resolve for the American people. That's what the people of the 3rd Congressional District heard me on and on as I campaigned. Now it's going to be up, uh, incumbent upon me to deliver on those results. And I look forward to service, you're, you're servicing exactly and, right. and serving my, pe- my district. I look forward to serving the, my people results, and my district to make the sure that they see that, that this is what. For. So let's address quickly the exchange they had in the middle where he tried to say, have Democrats no shame. Yes, Joe Biden is a pathological liar. He has told some lies that, again, are these really odd things where it's like he really doesn't think people will find out that that's a lie. And um, the argument has been made about Elizabeth Warren, you know, lying about being part Native American and. I think the thing that bothers me is this using someone else's bad behavior as justification for your own. And it's just that's how we get in this downward spiral down the toilet to the bottom of discourse in this country. And I was happy that Tulsi just stopped him and said, this isn't about Democrats. It's about you and not allowing him to to have that scapegoat. And had he just come out and said, yeah, I'm I lied about that, that, that I'm sorry, I take I take full responsibility. I think this would have gone away a lot faster than as he's now trying to to gaslight his way out of it. And this next next exchange, I, 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 who is this guy? So he's had lied about working for some financial institutions and Tulsi Gabbard tries to call him out on that. And this guy's response is, I mean, he has no place in Congress. We can debate my my resume and how I worked with firms such as Goldman. Is it and debatable or is it long. just false? But, no, is it's it debatable very, no, or is it just debatable. false? I, no, no, it's not false at all. It's it's debatable. I can I can sit down and explain to you what you can do in private equity, in in capital intro, via servicing limited partners and general partners, and we can have this discussion that's going to go way above the American people's head. But that's not what I campaigned on. I campaigned on delivering results wow. for the American people. So you hear Tulsi there say, "Wow," because he's basically making the argument that because I can talk about finance, 
it's equivalent to having worked at Goldman Sachs, which is stupid. But he also says, I would sit and talk to you about it, but it'll go way over the head of the American people. By, by lowering inflation, I can sit down. And if you want to have that discussion, I'd be glad to, Tulsi, to explain that to you Co- and make Congress sure that we, we, we settle the score. That this is not about settling scores. And I think you just you just kind of highlighted, I think, my concern, the concern that people at home have. You're saying that this discussion will go way above the heads of the American people, basically insulting their intelligence. So not only are you now that's backtracking not, that's not on these what I'm lies saying. that I, you've told, but, but you're saying that, that you can't explain it saying. in a way that your constituents would actually be able to understand. I can explain it in a way if you give me if you give me the time. I can it's easily so give the if you give me the time. I can easily explain it for you. As as in when investors are looking for capital, and I'm sitting there doing due diligence on the on the appetite and what they're looking for, right? And we work alongside. GPs and LPs to help them place this capital. Again, nobody wants to hear him talk about finance. The issue is that he lied about where he worked. He lied about working for Goldman Sachs. And he thinks if he sits on Fox News with Tulsi Gabbard and sits there and spits out all these complicated aspects of working in the financial industry, that that somehow negates the fact that he lied about working for Goldman Sachs when it very obviously does not. Uh, Here's how Tulsi Gabbard ended the interview. Again, master class that I wish other network uh, uh, hosts would would, uh, take lessons from. Congressman Alexantos, we've given you a lot of time, I think, the time that is owed is to the people of New York's third. Uh, it's hard to imagine how they could possibly trust your explanations when you're not really even willing to admit the depth of your deception mm. to them. Thank you so much for being here and joining us. Thank you, Tulsi. Now- <laughs> I'm sure he's. Thank you, Tulsi. I'm sure he's wishing he hadn't uh, agreed to that. I one. know he doesn't try to say, "Well, that's not true," or "I hope they do," or what. Thank you, Tulsi. Yeah, thank you, Tulsi. <laughs> and, you know, I know that there are people, and I see a lot of these responses on Twitter, who continually use that excuse. Well, the Democrats lied, too. The Democrats lied, too. As I said, I... How do I put this? There is a segment of the Republican Party that really believes that you have to kind of fight fire with fire. And when Democrats stoop to a certain level, if you don't do it, too, you're kind of being weak. And they see it as like a a sign of weakness. And I think there's a big part of, for instance, the, the Trump base that believes that. And I just refuse to believe that that's the case. I refuse to believe that it's kind of that Michelle Obama like when they go low, we go high. And I'm not saying that I believe that Democrats go high when others other people go low. But I do believe in the long run that maintaining your morality and keeping your moral compass in check, I think in the long run is going to be beneficial. And, you know, Democrats are calling on Republicans in Congress not to seat this guy. And I'm sure that that is 100 percent politically motivated on Democrats. You know, they've had people lie. We mentioned the guy in Washington state who Democrats here are absolutely going to let him serve the people of Washington state. This Clyde Shavers, despite his lies, they have no moral consistency on that issue. But I I think Republicans should refuse to seat him. I think that they should set an example, even if Democrats don't follow the example of saying, look, we are not going to allow someone to represent our party in Congress, in the people's house, who refuses to tell the truth to his constituents and who even when caught red handed in the middle of a lie, refuses to be uh, contrite, refuses to be honest and acknowledge that what he did was wrong. And I agree with Tulsi Gabbard. How should why should people trust anything you say on the floor of the house, the people's house, if you're not willing to be honest about these basic things about your life, like your religion, 
like your education, like your your um, work history. So, yeah, I think the Democrats who lie are just as bad as the Republicans who lie. And I don't even look at them as a different political party. I just look at them as a liar. And so I think this George Santos guy is getting all the grief that he deserves. Uh, And kudos to Fox News and to Tulsi Gabbard for really doing, like I said, a masterclass interview and not letting him get away with the BS that he was trying to spew uh, on Fox News. All right. Really quickly up next in the big lead. This The big lead. Big local. I just wanted to update you guys on something we discussed uh, yesterday, earlier on in the show. Uh, we talked about this massive drug bust that happened in King County, like half a million fentanyl pills. Uh, it's worth noting that there have now been charges that uh, were put down in that case. Uh, several individuals uh, charged, six of them, with conspiracy to commit a uh, violation of the Uniform Controlled Substance Act. There were some other uh, charges mixed in. And for the most part, they're being held on pretty high bail. Uh, most of them about half a million dollars, one of them a million dollars. Uh, there were some exceptions. Um, one of the suspects, Rafael Solomon Arduno, is being held on only $25,000 bail because there's some indication that perhaps he was human trafficked. And he's a victim of human trafficking and got kind of forced into all of this. So I think that's a pretty legitimate excuse to give him a little bit lower bail. And then one of the other uh, suspects that was not alleged to have as big of a role in this um, Sinaloa drug cartel operation is being held or his bail was set at $10,000, which obviously is not very much. But one of the interesting things I found in looking through these charging documents is this, I mean, complete... They're they're completely ignoring the fact that they're illegal immigrants. In fact, on all of the what's called a certification for probable cause, and it goes through and it lists all the evidence against them. There's a box on every single one of those documents that says citizenship, where law enforcement can fill in the citizenship. And it's just blank. And throughout these whole documents, the the charging documents um, and the certification of probable cause, 13 pages long, nowhere in there. Does it acknowledge that the drugs came from Mexico? Even though when investigators came out last week, they said this was a cartel operation, the Sinaloa uh, Mexican drug cartel. But then if you were to just look at these documents, you have to completely read between the lines. There is no blatant acknowledgement of the drugs coming up from Mexico. It talks about them being picked up in southern states. So no tie, blatant tie to Mexico. And then in the uh, request for bail where prosecutors write their justification for seeking a high bail, they note that these uh, individuals have no ties to the community. And if they're allowed to leave, they'll probably never be seen again. But it doesn't say, hey, they're not U.S. citizens. (laughs) They're not. They're in the country illegally. That's why we don't want to let them go. And I have to believe because you don't get 13 pages of documents related to a Mexican drug cartel. And then blatantly ignore the fact that the drugs came from Mexico and that they're illegal uh, uh, immigrants. You don't blatantly ignore that unless it's political, in my opinion. It's like this goes back to something I say over and over. If you're refusing to acknowledge the core cause of the problem, then you're never going to be able to fix it. And so I have zero faith that one, they'll acknowledge that this is an issue with drugs being smuggled up from Mexico. And if you're not willing to acknowledge that, then you have no interest in actually solving the problem. And I'm led to believe that you have really no care or concern for the people who are dying when these drugs from Mexico wind up on our streets and kill people. And that has been the big lead this hour. The big lead on Cairo Radio. Coming up, you remember Whoopi Goldberg um, got like, temporarily canceled when she talked about the Holocaust not being a race issue. Well, apparently Whoopi Goldberg has not 
learned her lesson because she just repeated essentially the same thing that everyone was so upset with her about not too long ago. That uh, and also we'll get to autumn awesome audio clips of the day coming up on the Dory Monson Show. Brandy Cruz filling. just fly by it's just so fun it's so much fun i agree i only got two more days with you oh you'll be now you're starting to grow on me you too (laughs) andrew oh i know i mean i'll have to start doing the uh hour number two echo on my podcast so (laughs) that i can relive the glory i'll just blatantly copy it from dory it's my favorite part of the show i don't know why so Whoopi Goldberg apparently uh, just cannot learn her lesson. I I I am not a fan of the the uh, cancel culture in terms of people overreacting to something and not giving someone a little bit of grace to make a mistake. We've all said dumb stuff. I've said dumb stuff. Um, but there are some times where you you say or do something that is worthy of criticism, and I, I don't think that's cancel culture. I don't think consequences for legitimately bad behavior is cancel culture. I think that there's a difference. But so we'll be you guys remember when she I'll play these original comments. So she was on the, the view and, and we were t- she was talking about the Holocaust. And here's what she said that got her in a little bit of hot water. And I think she had a little temporary suspension from the view. The Holocaust isn't about race. No, no it's well, not about race. It's, it's, no, it's about a, a different race. But it's it's not about race. It's not about race. What is it about? Because you, it's about man's inhumanity to man. Now, look, it was about man's inhumanity to man, but it was also definitely about race. And for someone like Whoopi Goldberg, who makes everything about race, for her to bifurcate the Holocaust from that and say, yeah, all these other things I say are about race, but the Holocaust, definitely not about race. So anyway, she ended up issuing an apology at the time. Um, But then she was quoted in an article recently essentially saying the same thing that she apologized for and that people explained to her why she was wrong about it. And she admitted that, yeah, I, I was wrong. My understanding of it was wrong. Here's CBS News talking about uh, her once again being quoted as saying something similar. The Sunday Times of Goldberg as saying the Holocaust, quote, wasn't originally about race. Also saying, quote, they did that to black people, too. But it doesn't change the fact that you could not tell a Jew on a street. You could find me. You couldn't find them. That was the point I was making. The Times said when the reporter reminded Goldberg that Nazis I identified Jews as a race. She rebutted, the oppressor is telling you what you are. Why are you believing them? They're Nazis. First of all, that even read, that, that doesn't make any sense. I don't even know what Whoopi Goldberg is trying to say, which you look at some of the people on The View, and I cannot believe that they have a national talk show. I'm just like, like I loved, what was that movie Whoopi Goldberg was in where she played a nun? Uh, Sister Act. Oh, so good. Oh, yes. Just, you know, I just, but I don't want to listen to her on The View. There's several of them who I don't understand who watches that show. Well, and some of them who come out, I mean, they they seem to give themselves a lot of importance. Like, what they're saying is so important, and I'm not sure what makes what they say so important. Yeah, even collectively. I'm sure you could find one uh, articulate, intelligent person who collectively would be more interesting than all of them. But anyway, so she gives this quote to Times of London, basically defending... 
the thing that she apologized for and said she was wrong for. And so uh, CNN had on the Anti-Defamation League, and they say that they, they're not interested in having Whoopi get canceled over repeating this. They just wanted to learn about history. I don't believe in cancel culture. I like the phrase that, that my friend Nick Cannon uses. We need council culture. You know, in the Jewish faith, Don, we have a concept called shuva. And shuva means redemption. It means all of us have the power to admit when we do wrong and to commit to doing better. Yeah, and to learning. And I tend to agree with that. I don't understand why Whoopi would repeat something that she claimed she had been informed better about and that informed her apology on this issue this issue i don't know why she would go and repeat that in the times of london and it's odd do i think she should be removed from the view for it i just don't care what happens on the view i don't i don't care if they leave uh whoopi on the view the only time i ever watch the view is on little tip uh, clips on twitter where people are saying some ridiculous thing that they said so yeah I, i tend to agree that i think the goal should always be when someone truly does something or said something wrong i think when there's room for education i think you always go the route of education but there are some times where i think that quote unquote canceling someone is really the only route that makes sense. Bill Cosby is a great example of that. So Mediaite has this story about Bill Cosby thinks that he's going to be making a comeback in 2023. He, of course, was convicted of sexual assault back in 2018, but then he served just two years and he got out because the charge, uh, the conviction was overturned. And so, you know, he's back out. And I guess technically, uh, if we're legally speaking, He's innocent, but I think we all know, based on the preponderance of the evidence, that Bill Cosby was a sexual predator. Um, can I, am I going to get in trouble for saying that? Do I have to rely on the legal legalese? Okay. It's your opinion. So anyway, that's my opinion, but we all know, right? Wink, wink. Right. So anyway, um, WGH Ohio, it's a talk show in Ohio, radio talk show, has on Bill Cosby to talk about the next step in his career. And he says that he wants to return to the stage in 2023. He said, quote, when I come out of this, I feel that I will be able to perform and be the Bill Cosby that my audience knows me to be. Okay, if Bill Cosby can make a comeback, then I don't think you can ever cancel anybody else ever again. I agree. Like Harvey Weinstein is another person. I'd be like, if he can make a comeback, then I think that. You know, if he ever gets out of jail, I guess. But we kind of have this this tendency to take things way too far in the other direction. Where like, and I've I have worried about this. Where you get because I'm very anti woke culture. I definitely consider myself to be part of that anti woke movement because I do think it got way too far where everything was offensive. But I also don't want to get to the point where nothing is offensive. I think that we just have to get back to a reasonable position, you know, where it's not like we freak out over every little thing. We can be angry about some things, but let's be reasonable about it. And I think that Bill Cosby uh, and maybe not supporting his return to the stage is a very reasonable position to take. Yeah, it'd be it'd be hard to buy tickets that went to like where that money went to Bill Cosby. I think I've told you my Bill Cosby story, right? I, I have not heard your Bill oh, Cosby story. So my Bill Cosby story, maybe, I mean, it doesn't, he didn't sexually, you know, whatever, go after me or anything okay. like that. Yeah, but let's get that but he was going to, he was a guest on the radio show that I was on and I had to call him to get him on the line, right? And I called and I obviously did not expect 
Bill Cosby to answer the phone. I expected to get somebody who they would transfer me and then whatever. Right. So I called and it didn't even ring. I don't, I mean, I didn't even hear it ring. And all of a sudden there was a voice there and I said, oh, I'm sorry, is Bill available? Um, I'm calling for, you know, in the station. And he said, honey, how old are you? (laughs) And I said, 26. And he goes, it's Mr. Cosby to you. And I, I think I said Bill Cosby. So I used his full name. I didn't call him Mr. Cosby, but I didn't, didn't just say, say Bill. Bill or something. I think I said Bill. Is Bill Cosby available? And uh, he goes, it's Mr. Cosby to you. And I said, In like okay. a very rude way? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, very condescending. Very, you're not important. Please don't call or do not use my full name. And so I said, okay, well, hold on just a second while I get you on the air. We're alive, whatever. And so then I put him through and I had told the host that I was working with what had just happened. And so then he picked up the line and said, uh, well, hello, Mr. Cosby. We're you know glad you're on the show. Thanks for joining us or whatever. And he goes, oh, you don't have to call me that. That's just for that 26 year old out there. Oh, my gosh. How <laughs> old was the host? Oh, 50s probably. Oh, okay. Wow. Very formal. Oh, yeah. But he definitely, if you were a young woman, he wanted to be addressed in, uh, in a mm. very proper way, I guess. Well, yeah. So we'll see. If Bill Cosby can uncancel himself, we might be past cancel culture, too far past cancel culture. We'll see. I want to fit one more story in. Andrew, do I have your permission to fit one more story in? He's looking at me like, I know, don't do it, really. Randy. Sorry, I don't think we can oh, do it Oh, my time. gosh. You know in what? The next I'll talk segment, about it coming. No, I got next segment. Because I got to talk about this phone phobia. This woman who's charging money to help millennials get over their phobia of talking on the phone, which is too good. <laughs> All right. Uh, Brandy Cruz filling in for Dory Monson. Awesome. Audio clips of the day are next. Down the stretch we come. What a day, what a show, what a show, what a day. Brandy Cruz filling in for my friend Dory Monson. Nicole's all mad that I teased. I was I wanted to talk about this uh woman who charges $480 an hour to help millennials overcome their phone phobia because you're like, let's save it for tomorrow. I'll talk about it a little today, and then we'll talk about it tomorrow because we only fine. have a couple awesome audio clips sure. of the day. So I will admit that I don't like being cold called. Like, if you're a friend or something like that, just text me and say, hey, are you available? I'd much prefer that to a cold call, but I'm not afraid of talking on the phone. You know, and if, back many moons ago when I was dating, I'd prefer if somebody would pick up the phone and call me as opposed to text. I didn't like dating over over text message. But apparently so much of Gen Z and the millennial, the younger millennials, I'm an elder millennial, have this terrible fear of talking on the phone and so there's this woman named mary jane cops she calls herself the phone lady and for the low low price of 480 dollars an hour she is willing to help you overcome your fear of speaking on the phone she'll do um 480 an hour for one-on-one coaching and 365 dollars for a 30-minute webinar if you can't talk on the phone, how do you have a job that enables you to pay $500 for that kind of service? I don't know. But also she does um, various corporations will hire her to do certain training for staff to talk on the phone. Oh, my God. And she charges them $3,500 a day. If I was asked to take that training, <laughs> I, uh, I mean, 
I'm not even mad at the lady. If you can get people to pay you that much money, oh, yeah. by all means, be the phone lady. But anyway, it is sad for society, though. The, the I mean, it is a millennial thing. I think that you, you've spent too much time on video games or texting, and you don't know how to communicate with people. It's pathetic. It is pathetic, and this lady is cashing in on it. So good for her. Let's get to our favorite audio clips of the day. This is Dory Monson's awesome audio clips of the day. So Secretary of State Blinken had an interesting to th- thing to say about the ongoing aid that the U.S. is providing to Ukraine. He was talking about the fact that if we had not withdrawn from um, Afghanistan, which I don't know if you call that a withdrawal, it was sort of disaster, but that the U.S. really doesn't have the capacity or wouldn't have had the capacity to help in both Afghanistan and Ukraine. When it comes to Russia's war against Ukraine, if we were still in Afghanistan, uh, it would have, I think, made much more complicated the support that we've been able to give and that others have been able to give Ukraine to resist and push back against the Russian aggression. And it's really, it's kind of a dumb thing to say out loud if you're the Secretary of State. What you're, you're suggesting is that we can't basically fight in two conflicts at once. To which I'm sure China is like, oh, you don't say. <laughs> you said there were some people online saying, I'm sure Taiwan is terrified to hear that. Right. You're essentially telling the rest of the world, like, yeah, China, if you want, now is a great time for you to be able to involve us in some sort of conflict. So ridiculous. All right. Up next on Awesome Audio Clips of the Day, Mike Gundy, who was um, a longtime coach for the Dallas Cowboys, I think, right? Is that why I recognize that name? Uh, um, he, uh, he's been with OSU for 15 years. Yeah, he now years. coaches for Oklahoma State. And they have not been doing well. And they just had a loss to Wisconsin that was very embarrassing. And a reporter asked him about whether he anticipates making any coaching changes. And Mike Gundy did not appreciate the question very much. So staff changes are starting to happen earlier and earlier now with the portal um, being a thing. Do you anticipate any, making any changes to your staff during now next season? Do you think I would have, tell you if I was making staff changes? No, but I have to Then why would you ask? Because I have to. That's my job. Okay, well, I might have to cut you out. I mean... Don't be an Really? I mean, those, those people's lives, man. Those people's families, right? Okay, don't mess with people's families. Let's do this the right way. You with me on this? Now, I don't like the way he handled it saying, I'm going to cut you out. That's very petty because it is the guy's job. He, it, is, he, it is your job having been a political journalist for a long time. Sometimes you ask a question that you know they ain't going to answer. But it's your job to ask it anyway. And so I understand where Mike Gundy is coming from and defending his staff and their families and stuff. But are you really that surprised by Maybe that question? Raising, I guess. It's a kind of, a, are you thinking about changes, things like that. Okay, before we... Get out of here because I think that we're almost out of time. We got to play his his uh, most famous line. So I just wanted you to know that this is the same man okay. defending his player. Two thousand seven. In two thousand seven. Oh, you want me to play it? Okay, here you go. That's why I don't read the newspaper because it's garbage, and the editor that let it come out is garbage. Attacking an amateur athlete for doing everything right. And then you want to write articles about guys that don't do things right and downgrade them, the ones that do make plays. Are you kidding me? Where are we at in society today? Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm not a, I'm not a kid. Write right. something about me. That does sound familiar to me. Obviously, the man really defends his people, and I do like that quality. Just maybe tone it down a little bit. Those have been your awesome audio clips of the day. I have to get out of here, as Dory says. John Curley. And Sherry Elliker coming up next.
I'll be back. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. You're really a fantastic audience.